Welcome to As the Wheel of Time Turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. I'm your host, BJ. I'm here with my co-hosts. Lee, how's it going? Doing great. Excited to talk this episode. feel like this was a really, really positively received episode, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Bree, how are you doing? Pretty well. I was a little bit worried what you were going to say when you were starting with positively, and I was like, this was a positively like rough episode to watch. I agree but, it was positively received. But people liked it. People liked it, I yeah. think. It can be a good episode, even if it's rough. Yeah. We're back to a and, full house this week. Uh, yep, a triumphant return. I am back. Sarah's I am back. back. I would back also. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bury the lead. I am firmly on the side of positively receiving this, and in fact, this is the episode that uh, forced me. I would say to abandon she my week ahead. by week watching. No, <laughs> and continue watching. Yep. Oh. Yep. Did you finish yep. out the season? Uh, no, I'm midway through the finale right now. Yeah, okay. But we're. I, th- I still think it's smart for us to talk about it without. To the maximum extent we can. Yeah. Um, no spoilers for the rest of the season because there might be people who are, you know, watching and listening as as they go with us. Yeah, uh, we can try and do that. Uh, but we have a bunch of segments that we do. Um, we do a slightly more rapid fire recap than uh, when we started out this season. We have uh, best line slash scene of the episode, which uh, Breed decides. So that recap is done by by Lee. And then we have uh, winners and losers. Uh, and I guess I make those decisions because I am well infiltrated with the dark and have power of these things. I mean, I think we have dark a friend. strong nominee for loser. I don't think that that is a... Oof. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Rima. What? Anyway, <laughs> well, could be it. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Uh, a far Fair enough. Runner up. Uh, all right, Lee. I'm gonna hand it off to you. Awesome. Let's do the recap here. What's this? What's this episode titled? Episode six. I didn't write it down. Do you have the, the this title? This is Eyes Without Pity. Eyes Without Pity. Mm. So I will say before we get the recap going, this was the episode that I feel like all of the internet chatter about this season really started i mean it was it started pretty positive right but like i don't think everybody in the first couple episodes were like oh this is the this is way better this episode hit and i felt like it really skyrocketed i feel like people um immediately started saying how the quality Mm -hmm. had gotten better and you know the same like the thing that made sarah like watch ahead right we end on such a serious cliffhanger at the end of this episode i couldn't stop watching um, yeah it was really tough for me week by week so um yeah. don't don't fault her at all for doing that so yeah let's get in the recap so the previously on is some stuff about lanfear leandrin being a dark friend the sanchin the domani some of the ice talking about going to check out missing ships i think that's an important part of the uh previously on is that we had a couple Aes Sedai, one specifically in a bathroom they focused on in the recap saying, yeah, we're just going to go out and check out these ships and just see what's going on, right? It'll yeah. be uh, no problem. Yeah. Remember that for later. <laughs> nice little um, jaunt. Um, and so, then Egwene getting collared. Something that I did not realize until exactly how you said it, that there is a nation that I think what we are going to visit in Wheel of Time uh, and the people are the Domani, and it is very entertainingly close to Demane, uh, and I feel like they they have been uh, winnowing out some characters with sort of similar names and trying to like separate that out just because like it's it's harder to keep people separate. 
but I feel like with their pronunciation of Damane, they're gonna uh, run into that with the Domane. Unless they're gonna I mean, we go may not Domane. get Domane. I don't know. Or they change the name, right? They may change the name. Because that, that's, that's pretty, if he, so I haven't got to that point. I've, I've finished book two and I'm, I've started on book three. I haven't gotten to that part yet. But like if they, if he does Domani and Domani as like two completely different things, that's a rough that's look for tough. Robert Jordan. That's rough. Uh, and it's yeah, particularly he, rough spoken. Like yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, given that he has like five or 600 named characters or something wild like that uh, and like, Two thirds of them start with an S. Uh, <laughs> I was it, only going to say a third. <laughs> it might only be a third. Uh, <laughs> it is a problem that he has, and he doesn't lean away from it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole like bunch of characters in the later books where you're like, I know it's an I said I, and her name starts with S. Don't know which one it is. <laughs> we start with um, uh, Rena <clears throat> dragging Egwene into a cell. Egwene uh, tries to punch. It looks like she's actually punched. Um, so she she tries to punch her, and it looks like she's actually punched. And then we get the explanation that like a, a soldam feels a domane, uh, domane. Uh, it, it it feels twice of what the domane feels twice of what a soldam would feel. Right. That's what the explanation is. However, I gotta call a little bullshit here. I didn't see Rena feel anything. Like I think when I read it when I read this in the book. Um, now I'm one of those people that books oh better. Oh my gosh. Egwene um, <laughs> can land a punch on her, um, on her soldom. It's just that she feels it twice as hard, but it's not that she does. She can't like actually land a punch. Like the explanation made no sense. Whatever I feel, you feel twice over. Rena didn't feel anything. Yeah. Now and they the punch seem, just hit, just hit Egwene. They seem to be doing a sort of thing where like, it's everything I feel I would have felt you yeah. feel, and also I would have felt. Yes, like and if it's you, the intent. Yeah, if well. you intend yeah. violence, it hurts you. Because oh, like I have get, a lot of things to say about intent later on. I'm very excited about this <laughs> uh, conversation. You could say that that basically uh, everything surrounding Sedai is uh, based on intent. So yes, uh, yeah, I, I I think that you know we'll keep getting into this uh, because it's a it's a big thing. Sure. And the rest of the scene is basically just, you know, some uh, Rinna um, having small talk with Egwene and saying, like, basically, yeah, you can keep your name. And we we get like a little flex of the power that she holds over her. Like Egwene doesn't want to give her name up. And then she just sort of like basically puts the screws to her. Egwene's in pain. She gives her name up. Final scene is just Egwene sitting there um, sort of shocked and afraid. Um, oh, and, and we also see Rinna take the wristband, the sleeve off mm-hmm. and hang it up. And Egwene can't touch it. Uh, can't get near it. Then we get the opening title. Yep. Yep. Uh, anything on that scene? Struggle, but... Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> I, I think that, again, this is sort of another one of those transfers from the book where it, you have to take things out of the characters' heads. And so uh, they're doing that uh, basically by having some overt explanations and just having Egwene just suffer anytime, like she even thinks yeah even like clearly as the the actors like shows the intent of harm to rena and then gets hurt and so i think that they're doing a good job of translating the uh her thoughts onto like actions on the screen yeah i think that's what the show is showing us um is that it's all about Egwene's intended action that that's what that's what's causing 
all of these effects in her. Then we uh, we jump to Teleronriode, mm-hmm. which is a big rock platform, and Lanfear is talking to Rand. This is a. Can I just point out that this is a wild outfit that Lanfear has chosen yeah, to clothe herself she's, in she's for this right? scene. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, she's wheeling and dealing, so uh, let's get to it. All so right. she, what a headdress! So if you remember, I mean, from it's the very last... mistress of the. Very oh, mistress. Yeah. It's very yeah. somewhat <laughs> of the night. <laughs> it's a mistress by the hour. Uh, yeah, I think um, this is a uh, this is a continuation, right, of where we left off last episode, mm-hmm. where Rand and Moraine basically cook up the idea of like we're kind of at wit's end here. Um, we'll just have Rand fall asleep, talk to Lanfear, and see if he can work with her in some way, and see how it's kind of see how it goes, right? Yeah. So we know that Moraine's on standby to wake Rand up if anything goes sideways. Yeah. Um, she has a conversation with Rand. In this conversation, he calls her Lanfear, and she's, oh, not Celine anymore? <laughs> um, and he says, I can't believe I trusted you. And she says, oh, what makes you think you can't trust me? And, like, obviously, as well chronicled on this podcast, BG and I are different sides of the Lanfear conversation. But I believed her right away when she said, what makes you think you can't trust me? I felt like that was from her. She was like, whoa, what? Hold on. What, what, what are you talking about? And then she starts to pull more out of him as they're talking. And figure out, oh gosh, yeah, I guess, guess he is really upset with me. I guess maybe I did foul some stuff up, right? Uh, that's how I interpreted the scene, but I do think that there's room for interpretation with Lanfear in basically every scene she's in. I mean, but I, I, I took her at face value when she was saying, I don't understand why you don't trust me. I, I agree with that, Lee. I, I think that the actress did very, you know, a very good job of portraying sort of legitimate. Like, what do you mean you don't trust me? Like, a, you should trust. me. I love you. Like, you yep. know, that kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. vibe from her. Um, no, I agree. I think she looked sort of surprised that Rand wouldn't trust her. Yeah, and she actually gets... Um, Crazy. One thing she really doesn't like is any any mention of Moraine. Uh, Moraine gets brought up and she really snaps. It's, like, it's almost, you, almost like trust Moraine doesn't like other women. <clears throat> no, yeah. it, does, it seems that way. Interesting. Um, Especially yeah, in Rand's life. Well, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't I mean, want to lose know. him again. She well, I mean, I think that there is also a reading that Moraine's pretty manipulative with Rand, so you know, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can go sideways with that too. So yeah, she's kind of snaps about the when Moraine comes up and she basically says, "Look, um, I uh, I've been kind of helping you along here. I've been I've been making sure that Ashamiel doesn't come to you in your dreams. I've been helping you more than you know, basically, Rand." And um, he kind of gets fired up and he goes, "All right, look, you want you want me to trust you? How about this? Tell me where Ashamiel is. Tell me what he's planning." She's like, ah, oh, look at that little Lewis in there. And she says, in order to work with her, she's got one condition. And we got to Rand waking up. <laughs> Only one. It's very minor. Only one. Um, Rand wakes up and he just immediately is like, I got to get the hell out of here. Her one condition was that I don't see you. If they she sees us together again, she'll kill you, Moraine. Um, and on the way out, Moraine is kind of yelling at him like, you can't trust her. You can't trust her. He's like, ah, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I, I think you can trust Lanfear when she says she's going to kill somebody. I think that's the one moment that's we get. We, <laughs> right. I don't know. I think the, the amount to which you can trust Lanfear is one of the the best parts of the season. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that yeah. every I think every viewer is struggling with it. Like how much do we can we trust her? I mean it's it's not zero and it's not a hundred. So yeah. everybody's struggling with whatever that middle ground is. But it's not it's not just the viewers, it's everyone who interacts with her Period. in world sure. yeah. struggles and with that. This is one of the things that uh terry you've gotten some of in the books but like i i appreciate that they've sort of taken that ulterior motives 
you know, even if somebody is pledged to the dark, that doesn't mean that's like the one dimension of their personality. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that actually comes up later, right? She uh, yeah. when she's talking to Leandrin. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he leaves, and then, but in the course of that conversation, though, there was a there was a reference to Moraine sort of situating Rand there with Loghain. Mm-hmm. And she makes reference to the the idea that Loghain could train him, right? And that would that would be like a good thing for Rand. Um, so that gets brought up in that episode, or that uh, that scene. Yep. Uh, before we go on, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, do you think these shoes are wilder or less wild than wrestler boots? Oh, whose shoes? I don't. I didn't notice Land the shoes. Fear? Oh, 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 I do. I did notice those. Um, Honestly, this whole thing really had some Charlotte Flair vibes to it. And I'm here for it. (laughs) She just needed a little extra cape. Uh, Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, mean, she's like in the she's in the desert. So maybe she (laughs) excuses could be made. She's uh, slimming down the outfit to uh, to accommodate the, the location. I think so. Yes, um, I think I think this is this is Charlotte Flair at Crown Jewel. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's got the cover up. Yep. There you the, go. The, the circle that they're in is not squared off. It's just it's just <laughs> round. So, yeah, but no, those boots are wild. I did notice those, and they are they are thigh high, lace up the front, but not entirely closed. Yeah. I mean, it's a look. I mean, I, she clearly could have dressed herself in anything right there in the dream world. This that, is a choice. She, she's chosen that. So I wonder what the, the desire, what the, what the idea behind that is. I think it, does she think that's like Is it supposed attractive? to be like seductive? Yeah. I think I so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe Lewis liked it. <laughs> right. Maybe that was his favorite outfit. To maybe that's in. how they met. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. However I they met. I it's true love. <laughs> It's true love between Lantern and Lewis. Cuts of Matt and men walking around the town. People are partying. Men is uncomfortable. Matt's like, come on, let's go. Let's party. Men doesn't like this. Don't whisper. We can hear you whispering. What are you talking about? <laughs> Nothing. I was I was making That's... a joke. Those archways were real twisted, given uh, Lanfear's seeming preclusions. Anyway. Then, then we have Nynaeve and Elaine. Nynaeve is pacing around. They start bickering a little bit. Elaine throws it in her face that Nynaeve is the one that trusted Leandrin. That didn't take long. <laughs> in comes Basan. Basan is the warder to Raima. Uh, Raima is the yellow Aja we met at the end of last episode, who um, came over with a few other Aes Sedai to check out the the, the missing ships. What do we, you know, we got yeah. some missing ships going on. Yeah. And I think when she got there, she found out, holy shit, the Sanshin basically have invaded the continent, the Sith, or the country. And uh, all hell's breaking loose there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they, they talk a little bit about being a warder or being a, um, a wisdom and the elderberry tonic. And she and Nynaeve have a back and forth. Rima wants to know why they left the White Tower. That's when she, Rima is told about Leandrin. And that clearly shocks her. Um, yeah. It, you know, I think it's yes. my impression that like the other... The other Aes Sedai like think Leandrin's a bit prickly, but the idea that she would actually be a dark friend is pretty stunning to them. Yes, yeah. There's a significant amount of disbelief that sort of everybody has about the Black Aja. Yeah, and... that seems to be like a real sort of like right rumor mythos, like or, or an, or an urban legend. It feels right. like an urban legend mm. among so, the Aes Sedai. Mm. 
what you use to scare novices at night. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and well, I think it's sort of less not really talked about. But well, yes. no, I mean it's not uh, really talked about. But so the the other reason that I think er, like all the Aesodai approach it with incredulity is uh, we know that they swear oaths when they become full sisters. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of have to like look at that and go, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I think that's that's where the, you know, when there's evidence of this, it's always sort of a surprise. So when they, I think the, I'm trying to get the, the oath math straight here. When they swear their oaths to the Aes Sedai, or, then they want to become a black Aja like Leandrin is. She swears her oaths to the dark. Does that release, does the dark release her from her previous oaths? Like, well, that's a is that good how she's, question. Is that how she's able to break all these? Because like she swore a new set of oaths yeah, and therefore it kind of broke. I don't know. Um, that's kind of how I would assume because she clearly is able to break the oaths here, right? So um, I don't but know. The, the other question is when did she, when was she a dark friend and when did she become a Sedai? Oh, so she could have been sworn to the dark before she swore in, swore as a sister? I yeah, don't know. I guess she could have, but yeah, I don't know. They they they're setting it up to indicate that she swore her oaths in an attempt to save her son's life, which would seem like it's a relatively recent thing to have happened. I mean, the son's what eighty, so maybe but in the last fifteen known. years. Yeah, but I don't know. Then there's that conversation between Leandrin and Lanfear, giving us some of Leandrin's like really tragic background. Yeah. Sure. And it feels like there might be something in there that would have provoked her to swear oaths to the dark beforehand. Right. Yeah. Well, know. and she does talk about, you know, in a previous episode that she has kept her son close for fear of, well, she tells herself, yeah, to keep him safe. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that, you know, he's had previous times where she's been worried for his life and... Maybe one of those was the precipitating event that for the swearing to the dark. And it could also be it, who has been sick for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Rima basically tells them, like, you, uh, uh, well, no, the, the, in this scene, they, she asks, like, well, she broke, Leandrin broke the three O's, and they're like, yeah, and they confirm that. And then she mentions the Black Aja. Yep. So cut to Leandrin, who is back with her son. And then we see quick Leandrin fireball. Oop, boop, blocks. No problem for <laughs> Lanfear. Easy money. She says, first one's free. Second one, I'll flay you alive and feed you to your boy. Shout out, Lanfear. <laughs> Lanfear mentions that she's monitored Leandrin's dreams. I guess there's some sketchy stuff in some of Leandrin's dreams. There's a little, just mm-hmm. a, a little nod to that. Um, and they, Lanfear basically comments that, like, you hate men. What the hell are you doing working with a Shamio? And she's like, well, you know, she talks about the sun, and she mentions that you talking to Leandrin, you swore your oath to keep your son alive, but this is not life. And Leandrin goes, I know. Mm-hmm. And that's when Lanfear, good guy Lanfear, as always, <laughs> good guy Lanfear, always helping everybody out. Uh, Takes goes, everybody's breath away. Goes ahead and kills the, the son for Leandrin, just doing everybody a favor here. And Leandrin's crying. And then she drops this, which I feel like is probably the most interesting, other than like the reference to Leandrin's dreams, which I would love to hear more about. <laughs> would you? Would you? <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Yes, please. Uh, and then we get um, this this sprite here from Lanfear talking to Leandrin. She says, you swore your oath to the dark. 
You cannot take them back. That is impossible. But there are many paths to walk through the night. And it felt like to me, and I'll open it up to everybody, that what she was advocating for wasn't, hey, you need to turn back to the light. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. She was saying, could you stop working with a Shamael? He's kind of a dick. Like that's kind of, it seemed to be she was indicating he shouldn't work with, she shouldn't work with a Shamael anymore. Yeah. And I think she's talking about herself too, right? Like she is um, walking this different path now and sort of setting herself up as a model and potentially something for Lanfear to follow that is not Ishamael. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting look that we get. And it's also a little bit confusing because maybe this is like four to six months. So like, it kind of feels like weird for uh, Lanfear to be like, why have you thrown in with Ishamael when like we have basically the most powerful person anybody in this age has seen walk in and take the reins and she's just like well you don't need to do that like you can do loads of other things it's like uh maybe uh i think it maybe it's a little bit more landfair being like i'm the new big guy in town of course it is um for sure so i it it didn't feel as forceful as i would have expected it to for landfair being like you're gonna follow me now I don't think she was saying you're going to follow me now. I think she no. was. I think she was giving the Andrew an option. That's what it felt like. Yeah, which just I, again sort of feels a little bit weird. Yeah, well, that's because you think the worst of Landfear, but us Landfear apologists over here, <laughs> we recognize that she cares about people and she's really nice, and she was just offering the Andrew a choice. That's all. Because so, so we cut to the Shanshan. And Lady Seroth. Oh, speaking of nice people, Lady Seroth. Jesus Christ. Um, this scene is absolutely horrific. Um, so, <laughs> B- BJ, can you give us some background here on on maybe like the gardener and the singing and his ability his ability that we see yeah. here in this scene? Uh, I definitely can. I also love that you refer to this scene as as uh, one of as horrific. Uh, one of the, the horrific scenes. Uh, yeah, it was for sure. So, um, basically, in uh, the Wheel of Time, there are abilities that are separate from channeling, um, and they're usually thought to be genetic, um, and they are usually some sort of connection with the world and or nature. And so we have a couple of uh, other examples of these powers. Uh, One of them is Min who can read the, the pattern. Uh, another one is Perrin and, his, and Elias and their connection to the wolves. Um, and so uh, the Ogier have a set of powers that, that seems to be genetic within their people uh, called Treesinge. And this basically puts them in tune with like uh, nature and the sort of growing aspects of it. Um, and so they can sort of increase the growth and cause trees to grow. And so uh, historically, the, the great forests in each city were... The groves. The groves uh, were planted by the Ogier um, and cultivated in the cities that they helped build after the breaking to remind them of the setting, which is where uh, the Ogier people reside. Um something that we we haven't gotten as much of um, with not having like other Ogier uh, in the story yet. Um, and then 
there there are also some references and we honestly don't even really see it see it in the books to them performing sort of similar things uh across the ocean for the shanshan which is why they're known as gardeners yeah yeah that's why she calls them gardener yeah so given that backstory i'm interested in the reactions in the room to the tree singing um from the shanshan and then from lady suroth sort of shutting it down yeah so um my so in the books they're they're most ogier don't have the tree singing ability and some have it to different extents Mm -hmm. and so probably not unlike channeling where there just aren't a whole lot of uh people who can channel there aren't a a whole lot of ogier who can tree sing well um and so while a lot of them seem to be good with plants um, and good with shaping nature. Um, the skill that they have in actually doing the tree singing uh, is fairly uncommon. Uh, why Sorof shut it down? Uh, I mean, she's a bit jealous of somebody else getting attention and, and not the, the nicest person. I, she looked scared to me. Yeah, I guess, like, I actually, I wonder if she didn't expect Loyal to have that degree of power. And so she thought that when she commanded him to sing that he might make it, like, a little greener or a little bigger. And instead mm-hmm. of just, like, vroom, like, all of a sudden you have this much bigger tree. And I think mm. she's a little, like, oh. So we, like, it makes me wonder if they're going to show maybe something else about the Ogier that 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 kind of degree of power is actually maybe dangerous. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my read on this situation was that <clears throat> the Ogier having this, this mythos and reputation of being able to tree sing, she thought was bullshit. So when she said sing, she expected him to sing and nothing happened. And then when he sang and it actually, the tree actually went up, we have, like we, we the, the Shanshin are pretty well chronicled in the show of not trusting anything magic, right? Like the, with the channeling, they are contained. It yeah, needs to be, needs to be yeah. controlled. They don't like that. So the idea that she would go, Whoa, hold on. I can't, I, I don't understand this. I can't control it. I didn't expect it. Uh, I'm going to bail out of this real quick, but it, it obviously did. She didn't seem like over overtly threatened, right? She didn't like throw him in a, jun- a dungeon for it, but I just don't think she expected him to yeah. do it. And that mm-hmm. unpredictability is not something Saras comfortable with. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess, to my mind, it was once she saw that she was sort of losing the attention of her uh, coterie, yeah. then, like, that's when she started, like, getting pissy, as yeah. opposed to, like, when the tree started growing. Um, but, yeah. yeah I don't, I don't know about, exactly about the timing on that, but I think, Lee, your explanation makes sense. And, and yeah. to me, my, my understanding, my, my interpretation of it was that either she didn't expect him to be that strong in it or didn't know that it was true, but it, it, that, that, it actually, that power actually exists, but that it is also, in my mind, linked, as you were saying, BJ, with something like the, the power of Perrin and Elias. And that is they hide that all the time because those are deeply distrusted yeah. um, within the world. And so if you are used to these very particular ways of interacting with the one power, anyone else who can access power in a different way is inherently threatening. Right? Yeah. Uh, probably. So we'll probably get more like deeper explanations, but one of the fairly early explanations in the books that we have about them not trusting the one power are 
like who they're descended from in the empire. And so it seems very specific to Aes Sedai and women channeling that they're not trusting. Um, and so, but like, again, you know, the show might go just a different direction and, you know, sort of all like sort of weird pattern powers get, get, uh, get a lot more distrust. But that's also probably coloring like what I think of Sura. Then we have this conversation uh, with Loyal and Iktar. And uh, I think the thing about there is, you know, Iktar is pushing is very reminiscent of the book. Iktar is like, we we have to get the horn. The horn is the most important thing. Yeah. And Loyal is like, fuck that. I'm going to find Mistress Alvier. I am going to find her. And so you just get like different uh, motivations there. But Loyal does learn that Egwene was taken somewhere called the Kennels. And he has this quote about her. There is steel underneath that sweet exterior. If anyone can survive that place, it's her. Yeah. Um, and then the one super important thing, which feels a little bit of a throwaway, but I want to re- like have everybody keep in mind, because it's very mm-hmm. important, is that they say that the horn is essentially unguarded um, because of the Shanchen's uh, thoughts on honor. And it's interesting like how important and prized the Damane are um and again we get a little bit more of this in the books but like those are basically the most prized and important things in the empire like gifting somebody demane is basically seating them like a tenth of the kingdom kind of thing like this is like wealth and power all wrapped in one if you if like you control the soldam and demane Yep. And so that's why the, the kennels are probably more protected because that's, you know, what the, the Shanchen usually like prize. Yeah. And so I don't, I also don't just, you know, I, no big deal. I, I also think that like, they're very aware that they're taking these people out of the community. Like, and mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the books, like the demand, the um, demand have like visitors, like they, they, yeah. they're aware, like, yeah, like this we took this person and there's people out there who know them and like them. There's probably security there for that reason too. Like, uh, for the exact reason that, you know, um, ends up being important, right. With, uh, with Nynaeve and Elaine, um, you know, obviously there to try to help Egwene. So, mm-hmm. uh, cuts to Egwene dreaming and beating the hell out of, uh, uh, Rinna. And she tries to grab the pitcher and her hand is pulled back and she's in pain. So this conversation there about the, the idea that, you know, she can't touch anything that would, she would use as a weapon. If her intent was to use the thing as a weapon, then she therefore can't touch it. But, you know, what's interesting, and I think the way that they're portraying it here, and this is um, in this idea of intent, is it's not even like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't seem to have to be conscious, conscious intent. It is... Um, the unconscious unconscious thoughts that you are having also seem to be controlled by by these rules uh which is both interesting and and terrifying and i think you know bj to your point i don't know if y'all talked about this on the last episode or not but i have in my notes about the sort of parallels between what matters with for the Aes Sedai is intent and intention um and how you can control and bend your thoughts to be doing one thing rather than you know to, right. to perhaps sort of wrap around the issue as opposed to going through it and grappling with it in some way. it's true, you yeah. can say that it is true. Right. And, and like the <clears throat> other side of this is we get, um, 
you know, later in the episode, we have an Aesodai wielding the one power, not dissimilar to how Leandrin does when mm-hmm. she breaks her oaths, and it's the intent behind it and the goal. Yes. Yeah. Yep. She asks Egwene to pour a glass of water from the same jug. Egwene can't grab the, the jug, right? And she says that until she can perform that simple task, they will have no more training. Queen then looks out of her window, which is, which is caged. We get a pan outside her window and see a courtyard, and it's a bigger building, and there are people walking around. What did you guys think of this? the music choice here? I thought it was it a variation of the Shanshan Yeah, I thought so. Theme? Yeah, um, maybe. I, I guess I, I'm not recognizing themes as well as I feel like I should be. Um, but to me, it, it felt very... Uh, like, it didn't have... It had a much more light feeling to me than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's because it was the Shanshan theme, yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, but the other thing yeah. is, too, they I think there were three Soldam Damane pairs that walked in that scene. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to watch because they all walked the same way. So the Soldam was in front, the Damane was in back, and they all walked with their arms at their sides, not swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, like, a very conscious choice on the on the part of the show to demonstrate that they are all very very similar in their training and the way that they uh are exhibited um so you know very army like yep so in the books do they expand on i assume they do but um are the soldan i mean they're not like really free either right no they're no maybe we'll get some of that i don't know yeah so to to your the point about them being military like they are basically an arm of the military Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of sometimes can be used outside of that, but um, the uh, Soldam, I think, are a little bit sort of pariahs in terms of, like, because they're associated with the Demane, and mm. um, I guess I, I sort of think of how they treat the Demane as, like, kind of like caged tigers, um, mm-hmm. like very dangerous animals that, you know, need to be caged, need to be uh you know leashed and whatever else uh and and controlled and so like the people that are taming them and controlling them i mean we've all seen lion king like some of those people are crazy lion king you mean uh, (laughs) tiger king tiger king uh slightly different crazy um yeah so with with that i i sort of imagine that like the Soldam are, are not as integrated into society as, as some others. So, like, they're they're a little bit more, like, maybe how we sort of view, uh, maybe not zoo people is not the right word, but, but like... <laughs> no, I, I think um, the short answer to that is they're, they're more free than the Demane are, but mm-hmm. they're not free. Yeah, sure. Yeah. They they're being forced into servitude as well. Okay. Yeah. That was my um, impression, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. So the last thing that I sort of want to say is that we get a little bit of this in in this season, but the Shanshan society is extremely rigid and uh delineated. What? You really? Yeah. yeah. Um not my Shanshan. I mean, I we 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 see like Again, I, I, I don't think we see that incredibly clearly in uh, the show because we basically have so well you you look surprised, Sarah. So so maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But like I th- I, I mean I, I think, think you absolutely I think, do see. It I think it's incredibly clear. I think we all think they're pretty rigid. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Sure. I mean I guess like the views that I see of the non military, like 
all of the people hanging around Suroth in the the scene that we're talking about. The other uh, blood, maybe? Yeah. Like, it, it kind of felt like, oh, they're just, like, courtiers hanging out. As a, It did not feel like that no, to me watching it. No, because everybody was, like, looking at Suroth. It's, okay, yeah, like, on edge. nervous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. taking cues. Like, it was, that was not, there was no hint that that was in right. Fun and breezy relationship, right? But yeah. I think it's a yeah. good thing to reinforce the shot. Sure, Church and are yeah. in a very rigid, you know, they're 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 sticklers. Yeah, they are rule followers. Um, Shamael's talking to men. I will say this: having read book two now, being an official book reader that I am, <laughs> you know, y'all 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 used the phrase "so and so character was done dirty." I've heard this throughout the fandom. You have, yes, um, about certain characters. I'd like to posit that Min was done a little dirty here in the show. I like book Min a lot better. Um, uh, Not to take away from the the actress or even like people's enjoyment of the character, but man, the book version of her is really solid. So Ashamael's talking to Min, and in essence, we we learn that she's working with Ashamael in an effort to get rid of this, quote, gift. That's what the Ice and I call it, right? Like she she doesn't want to see the future anymore. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Ashamael, has promised her that he can get rid of it if she'll do what he says. And he has one more task for her. Make sure Rand, Rand the dragon, he calls him Rand the dragon, <laughs> leaves with Matt, leaves this place with Matt. And she's like, well, what if I don't? And he doesn't even answer. And End of scene. <laughs> I mean, I think we already knew, didn't we have the big reveal, was it a couple episodes ago, where Min realized that she wasn't making a deal with Leandra and she was making a deal with the dark? Yeah, I think it would have been... It would have been two episodes ago because yeah, I was yeah. I remember talking about that, yeah. Right, but I think and this is the first time you ever in conversation with Shamiel, right? Uh, uh, no. No. They had, no. because she was sitting in the um, chair back at her, like, aunt's place, pretend, like, going yep. through the motions of being a, a seer, and he comes into the dream and basically is like, hey, do you want your powers removed? You have to do stuff for me. And do you really, that was the, do you really think an Aes Sedai could have... Done taken this, this away right. from you in the first place yeah and so now he's moving the goalpost right like min is like well i did the thing that you asked and he's like yeah but just this one more thing one more thing <laughs> yep uh cut to alana who's with maxim lan and ivan they stop lan's like hey uh pretty strange to be stopping at a forsaken temple to camp <laughs> this is weird and they do and then Lan um, says he needs the Omerlin's approval to return to the tower because the ban applies to him as well until the bond is broken in tower records. This is how he explains it. He says, I I can't go back there until the bond is broken in the official records. I'm not able to go back. Someone else who likes rules. Yeah. Can you guys, (laughs) I need to, I need to tell the Omerlin about it. And later Lan goes for a walk. Maxim catches him along with Yvonne and then later Alana. And they call him out on this poem that he had. Blood feeds blood. Blood calls blood. Blood was blood was and blood shall ever be and land's like y'all motherfuckers cannot think that i am a fucking dark friend they're like yeah we kind of do bro we kind of do you're actually sketchy as hell and then he's like all right then let's fucking throw down and alana's like how about you not and she just like whoop just circles him right up like completely controls him and then she's like i know you were fishing for where the omerlin was like i know that's what that was all about which i felt like was like rather astute on alana's part Mm -hmm. like yeah that was a really I don't think Lan gave her very much to work with for her to pull that out. She is an I said I. That was strong. And then then Lan's like, okay, well, I got I need to talk to her. It's about Moraine. And Elena's like, well, you're gonna tell us or we're gonna kill you. And he says, We found the dragon reborn. Dramatic cut. 
<laughs> Anything about that scene? So I will say, and maybe this is just the way in which I originally watched this scene, is I, I totally thought that for a second that Alana and her warders would turn out to be dark friends the way that um what's his name was was saying the the blood feeds blood poem i was like oh Whoa, yeah they're coming off really strong with some dark friend vibes just a just a dramatic reading brie i don't know what's so concerning here yeah i didn't when i my first watch of it i, I wasn't necessarily although it wasn't off the table for me i wasn't necessarily thinking they would be dark friends but i was really pissed at alana uh, <laughs> and her i was like god can y'all please trust land for 12 seconds like um you know it, was, it just seemed like they were they were really forcing the issue with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's maybe where my read came from is I like knew a hundred percent that Ran or that Ran that Lan is not a dark friend. So I was like, I he's you know above reproach. Like, of course they wouldn't accuse him of that, right? So my immediate next thought is, oh, they are dark friends and they're going to kill him. Yeah. I mean, that is something you know. As you mentioned, they they done men dirty, and she's working for the dark where that was a bit of a surprise uh so it's yep. like all right well who else maybe alana and maxim yeah. and i don't remember his which and Ivan. that's got to be the Ivan. Yeah, you know as soon as the idea of a black aja is confirmed then it becomes who else any anyone yeah yep. you know yeah i don't know um yeah, so when is is the idea of Land being a dark friend kind of like the idea that Nynaeve would have died in the arches? It's yes. Like, yeah. Well, we like, know no, that's, that's not that's right. Silly. <laughs> they can deviate from the books some, but that's uh but yeah, that's that's, 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 that's not going to happen, no. Um so we cut to Rand who is sleeping and in his dream he sees all his friends dead. Shamael steps out and he's like, "Ah, this is where you're headed, right?" And then Shamael does the thing in the show that fucking robert jordan does in the books like all the time which is like to retell you the same thing over and over again which is like you know <laughs> men who can't channel lose their mind and eventually kill everybody they love we've been told this like four times on the show already right. it's like how robert mm-hmm. jordan tells the story like constantly reminds you of shit um and then in comes landfair who's like ah let's get him out of here bye Ishi. i think she calls him Ishi, right does yeah. she that's it, hilarious it, it's really funny it's fantastic she, she, that she calls him Ishi. It, it's a hundred percent like a nod to like Book race. Yeah, people have been talking about it for a long time, which is, it, it's very funny. Bye, Ishii. Um, the other thing that I still haven't decided, was it Ishmael? No, it was not. That that, it, that was my thought. I didn't, I, I never thought it was a Shamael there. I think, mm-hmm. I thought it was her projecting a Shamael and then falsely saying, oh, look, I took care of him for you yeah. to engender trust. That was yeah, clearly what was going so, on. So, actually, I wonder... I wonder if that's actually true, though. I don't remember specifically in this scene. Did we see the the stuttering of the dream of Shamiel? I don't think so. Because no, I don't that, think we did. that might have differentiated it. Because if we don't see that, then it's much more likely to be Lanfear manipulating the dream than Ishii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I'm I'm constantly monitoring the relative power scales. I know that Lanfear is particularly strong in the dream world. Um, but I, I, the idea that she could just snap and like kick his ass out of there is like a little. Look, I'm a Landfear fan, but that seems it seems like a tough ask. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't think we do know. But that's fair. In, in this scene, anyway, they, they she seems to kick him out, and it seems like Rand believes that she did that. And then she's like, "Look, I." And she gets real serious. She gets a real serious Landfear face. This is my this is my concern face. And she says, "I thought about what you said about the lies I told you, and you're right." <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't given you any reason to trust me. So let me start now. Let me give you a gift of a dream. And she basically tells him, you can mm. go see anybody, anybody you want. I will take you anywhere you want. We all knew where he was going to choose. Um, yep. and boy, boy, was that some bad news. So she takes mm. him to, uh, to Egwene. And so I, I also think tough. it was interesting that Rand knew how big of an ass this would be. Um, it shows a little bit of maturity that he knows that it's a, a big ask, but not a whole lot of maturity that he still does. Well, <laughs> did you see the look on when he says anyone? Did you see the look on Lanfear's face when he mm-hmm. said that? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she knew who he was going to ask for at yeah, that point. Yeah. And she was irritated, to say the yeah. least. Yes. But let him do it. And then sort of stalked behind him, like the whole time it was mm-hmm. happening, just, you know, just like pacing angrily. <laughs> did Could she only have taken him to Egwene in the dreamland if because Egwene was sleeping at the same time? That is not clear in the show. Probably. I okay. think the books are, or, or I think the show is not straying that far from the books. It does stray a bit differently, though, because that's not quite how interactions with others, which... Yeah, other dreams work, but it, it, it's fine. I, I I think that they're going sort of as close as they can, and that's why you sort of see her startle awake um, mm-hmm. afterwards. Okay. I think that was clearly the implication. That was yeah. what my thought. I just didn't because you know she says anyone, and it's like, well, okay, but what if whoever it is isn't asleep right now? Like, then, how does this? Then work? Rand would get his ass back on the wheel and wait six <laughs> more hours, and then they go check out whoever there was. Like they have plenty of time there in the right. dream world. Gotcha. And she okay. has all the things she wants to do. For sure. With There's plenty of things they can do. And for sure. Teleron Rio. Yeah, yeah okay. for sure. Um, so anyway. Some more real Like get sunburns. He uh, he sees Egwene and that's bad. He doesn't, doesn't like what he sees, obviously. And she can hear him, but can't see him. And, you know, I think they're, they're they're obviously playing with perception and stuff and the show. But like what I what I took from it, although it's not super clear, is that like she was dreaming at the same time. And in her dream, she had a sense that Rand was dream- reaching out to him, but she couldn't really see Rand and Lanfear in her dream. She could just sort of hear hear them, um, or or sense them. But uh, Lanfear, for whatever reason, is able to give him like pretty accurate projections of where people really are mm-hmm. um, when they're asleep. And that's kind of what she was showing him. And uh, afterwards, he starts screaming. Uh, he starts screaming at Lanfear as if it's something she did. <laughs> Um, saying, hey, if you cared about me, if you ever cared about me, tell me where she is. And he, she just says, well, Shamiel has her. I told you he'd get him. And Rand's pretty demoralized by that. And Rand says, I'll do anything. Woo. It's probably not a thing you want to say to a Forsaken. I'll do anything. I would, that's playing with fire, I would say. Yeah. Then Egwene wakes up and talks to herself a little bit. Here's somebody on the other side of the rock. And that person is just repeating the rules over and over again. She doesn't get a response. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything on these two scenes here before I move on? No. Okay. Cut the Falme. Is that, that how you guys say it? Falme? I thought it was Falm. 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 Okay. Falm and Rima is telling them to leave. Go tell the Amberlin about the Black Aja. And Elaine's like, oh, country, my friend. You have <laughs> highly underestimated the two of us. We are going nowhere until we have a Gwen. And Rima's like, okay, cool. That's that's fine. Hey, uh, give it to me. And the warder pulls out. And Adam, right? Like she mm-hmm. actually has one of these yeah. things in the sleeve. Yep. And it's yep. like, what the fuck? How'd she get that thing? And she goes, we're going to need to figure out how to open this thing. Um, yeah. Now, she shouldn't read book two of The Wheel of Time because there's apparently a latch on the back of it. Uh, <laughs> it's actually very simple. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not one of the people affected, there is a button. Uh, but not in the show, clearly. Um, nope. Then we, <laughs> 
That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a latch on it for people who aren't affected. Yeah. Uh, cuts a moraine who's writing a letter to Swan Sanchin, the Amberlin seat. And she keeps trying to like basically convey the information that she's been stilled, but yep. she like, you know, I've been stilled. Ah, it's not good. Tosses it. Starts writing again, right? And then Barthanis comes in, who is apparently a really dope sandwich maker. I <clears throat> Lee perked up at this. This was this well, was important information. Well, a couple have. things about the Barthanis sandwich I do want to point out. Okay. One, it comes in on a plate, shout out. Two, he cuts it in four. In slight oh, in four, oh, and it's not mm-hmm. just in halves, mm-hmm. and the crust is gone. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Barthanis might be a really good sandwich maker. <laughs> buttered, literally everywhere. And there's a lot of butter on it. Literally I like, everywhere. We all like that. I like a little dairy on our sandwiches. That's good. So, yeah, uh, all all great there from our guy Barthanis, who is trying clearly trying to connect with Moraine. She's having none of it. She's straight up rude to him. And then Anavir comes storming in. It's <laughs> like, ah, you fucking, you're being so rude to us. You suck. And then she finally. Goes a bridge too far. She steps over the line and she says, you got to leave. And that's when Moraine goes, Mm -mm. actually, I'm going to pull rank here. I am the older sister. This is actually my estate. You're here because I want you to be here or I allow you to be here. I didn't know how true that was. But it seemed like Anavir didn't want to fight it out in court. They just decided to let Moraine can't lie. Right. She at least (laughs) believes that it is true. Yeah. Like, I don't like... Wheel of Time fans always go back to that with the <laughs> with the Aes Sedai, and yeah. I just I've tossed that out with the Aes Sedai, and I don't know why everybody else hasn't. I, I, but also, like this is they a lie thing so where, well. Like, there there will be paperwork about this. This is not like we don't have to take her word for it. There are deeds and shit. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> yeah. but if she's the know. eldest sister, and this is or daughter, and this is a you know inheritance goes to the eldest, unless she has actually resigned that position. She's gonna be the heir, and she's that's what I'm saying, yeah, Yeah. right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. But so, the other thing, Lee, that that I want to point out is like you say that the Ace died live, but like Robert Jordan's really careful to make sure that they don't, yeah, so yeah, but you, (laughs) but but the whole point of that, but they also, I mean, they mislead, they can mislead. Right, but, but and but, the effect can be the same. The, the, right, the effect can be the same, but but you get a lot of useful information if you listen to what they say. Like, because I I don't know if you remember season one where Moraine says that you know I'm a lady of a uh, uh, you know a minor house, and sure enough, well, it was true then. It's not going to be true as soon as Barthana is ma- marries the king or the queen. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that. The Aes Sedai's truths get retconned so much that it's like, if if she's like, if she stands there talking to Spencer, yeah, it's very similar. If she if she stands there and she goes, well, uh, you know, this is my house and you have to get out, right? And um, it's not her house. And then all of a sudden, there's some strange thing with the paperwork where it used to be her house and now it's not. I mean, like they can fill in the blanks to 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 explain an Aes Sedai lie all day long. I felt like more important than if it was true or not was the fact that Anavir didn't had no no appetite to fight it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like she just didn't want to go down that road with her. Yeah, and so it kind of just shut the conversation down. It seems to be yeah. like Moraine can stay there as long as she wants, mm-hmm. seemingly. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, Moraine is like her mother, apparently. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's and that tough. was yeah, that was cut. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so the other thing that I think we get. I don't know. I I feel less of a sense of this in the show. And I guess, Sarah, you know, I don't know how you feel, but like the amount of political sway 
that the Aesidae just have generally seems not to be as significant as it is as it is in the books. Like mm-hmm. in the books, like you know, the Amaralyn would could summon kings, you know, randomly. Uh, you know, uh, an Aesidae shows up to court and basically says, "We need to talk," and that you know, monarch schedule gets cleared. So it can I give an indication of this? That's probably yeah. more important than either one of those answers, the, the examples you just gave. So Perrin raises his voice to Moraine mm-hmm. in the third book, and Loyal's like, dude, <laughs> you don't do that to an Aes Sedai. And if you get Loyal yeah. worked up, <laughs> you have done something. He is slow to anger. Putting a long handle on his axe. I, no, I agree, with, I agree with you, VJ. I think that they have, um, obviously, the Aes Sedai's power has been, and political power have been, have been dwindling in the books, but it's still really strong in yeah. the books, at least what I've read so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're, what they're kind of showing us in the show is more like, almost like they're maybe like a, their own mid-tier, maybe like the Pope, like their own mid-tier country. Yeah. Um, and they're like a religious leader that kind of, you know, commands respect, but doesn't necessarily tell people what to do. Yeah, and doesn't necessarily have a lot day-to-day to do with political realities, like just the way that they are being portrayed yeah. in the show. I think actually the the Pope analogy might be a good way to put it because the if the Merlin shows up at you know a, a in a country everybody's going to pay attention and it's a big deal just like the pope but like priests going around and no, doing things not, nobody yeah. nobody cares nobody's going to really listen just to them around, yeah. and you know you might suspect them of doing some underhanded things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all works, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The analogy yeah. works all the way down. Uh, yeah, so we then see Swan Sanshin's wagon stop. People are clearly approaching. She opens the door and it's Lan. She goes, Lan, homie, long time no see. How you been? And he goes, it's Moraine. We can talk. <laughs> um, so I thought the her use of the daggers as like a headdress was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very eye-catching, and and we see things like that a couple of times this episode and previously. Yeah, I agree. I think they're doing a better. I think it was always an uphill climb. Like, all right. So let me start with this. I think that one of the strongest things about the Wheel of Time books that I know of so far is is the portrayal of magic. It's extremely well done and interesting, and that was always going to be an uphill climb for the show to portray that on screen. Yeah. yeah. And, but I do think they've gotten slightly better this season. And there's like a, there's a few things as we'll get into later episodes that I'll talk about um, and how they, they demonstrate the one power where I feel like they're being really particular about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In a way that maybe, mm-hmm. um, well, I'll just say it, maybe the way, way they weren't in the first season. Yeah. Um, they I weren't agree. quite as thoughtful. Yep. Cut to Loghain and Rand walks in. Rand's like, train me. He's like, no. <laughs> And he says, why would I train you? I don't, I, it took me forever to learn these weaves. It was hard work. I wouldn't give it away. And Rain goes, you want your life to matter. You want it, You want all your work to have meant something. And I'm the only way that it can mean anything now. And it was a fantastic argument from Rand. It seems to work. Loghain immediately starts to try to give him a lesson and realizes, <laughs> kind of a hard kid to teach. Because yeah. <laughs> Rand immediately almost blows the earth up. And Loghain's like yelling at him, stop, stop. And he, he finally stops. Rand throws up a little bit. And Loghain's like, dude. He, you forget training like you are going to be able to do anything you want to do to anybody very soon and um you know i, I like that because like ran was named the dragon right he's the dragon reborn but i think to 
people who aren't into the lore, who are just watching this show, they're probably wondering exactly what that means and exactly mm-hmm. how powerful he really is. And this was a hell of a character reference. You have Loghain, who was calling himself the dragon, basically admitting to Rand, you're much more powerful than I ever was. Yeah. Like, yep. this is insane. That's a, that's a hell of a like character reference really for how powerful is. Yeah. Rand is. Well, and I think the actor does a really good job, at least I interpreted it this way, of of demonstrating that Loghain's sort of like surprised, impressed, but also jealous. Jealous. Oh, like, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, that that should have been me, mm-hmm. and it's not me. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I'm incredibly jealous. He trained for so long to get and this kid to a just certain power level, and, and Ren, do it. Ren just like, somebody's like, okay, grab a bunch, and he's just like, well, that's a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a sports analogy here, right? Where the guy who's like, you know, really good at basketball and like fantastic in college and like next big thing and then gets in the gym with Steph Curry or LeBron James and is like, fucking A. I was never close, was I? <laughs> yeah. Like no. I, I was yeah. never close. Like, mm-hmm. and because the, the power display is just so stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just thinking of like, you know, somebody like, train for a while and then sees like Bo Derek like just walk in and do do literally anything and just like oh okay different level I I, I get it now Bo we're Derek not, we're not, Bo Derek uh, is like a like a 70s like actress oh uh, you mean Bo Jackson mm-hmm. yes Jackson <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know but, why my brain you got some you got some Bo <laughs> yeah. Derek posters hard up in your house <laughs> yeah minor details oh Bo Derek that's a that's deep cut there uh, yeah, no, it's exactly like that. It's like, you know, somebody just realizing shit, you know, I like that. I like Bree's call out that he's jealous too. Cause I imagine that will affect any future relationship they have. Yeah. Um, Katsurima and she's talking about having to be careful to channel very much of the power. I'm glad they, they threw this in to the show, but the, basically the Damani are always sensing channelers mm-hmm. around. And if you channel very much, they're going to come find you and put a collar on you pretty quickly. So You've got a little little clicker thing like radioactivity in Chernobyl, which you know all about as a as a nuclear scientist. Yes, yes. of course. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's walking around like okay, we're yeah we're at so and so rating here. We got to go put a collar on somebody. It's like so. So having to be very careful in trying to use the one power to open the collar, right? And they they do it a bit. And uh, they, uh, there's a question to Rima about how she got the thing. And she explains that she came over there, I guess, with three sisters. And she was one of three that came over there to check this whole ship missing situation out. And two of them apparently died, were taken, mm-hmm. are gone in some way. And we've got the, the two rings that she's got there to show uh, of the, the sisters who are gone. And she says, I only have this because my sisters paid for it with their lives. Anything on that scene? No. All right. Uh, Egwene, uh she's trying to get the damn thing off of her. It's not working. Uh, Rena comes in. It's like, well, what, you know, you're not, basically you're not going to be able to do this. And more with the picture, um, doing the, doing the thing with the picture still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there's just kind of back and forth with her and Rena about, the, the the whole thing and is this the one no this is not the one okay so yeah yeah it is so she takes her to sit through the tree to, to the tree and then they there's basically like a lesson where she's like heat yeah. the heat the tree up with your steam and it seems like rena is almost like 
teaching Egwene to do something she hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. And she lights this fucking tree on fire. They almost become besties until Rena kicks the shit out of her in the end because she still can't touch the pitcher. <laughs> because her intent is still to murder her where she stands. Right. Yep. Yep. Yes. Rena does go during this, huh, that's how that's supposed to feel when yeah. Egwene releases a bunch of the one power. I thought that was an interesting line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it feels like the show is going with like, they don't, they're not very powerful as a pair to start out with. Like they have to train together to get more powerful. And so this is getting into the, like, they're syncing up better. Their affinity. Yep. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nynaeve and Elaine, they're trying to, Nynaeve's trying to convince Elaine to leave and she won't, um, yeah, she gives the she gives the whole the old Doc Holiday line. She's my friend, and I've never had one before. The, the Wyatt Earp is my friend. Well, I have a lot of friends. Well, I don't. You know that whole yeah. line from Tombstone that was so iconic. It's kind of a similar thing. Um, but I I don't know. It, I continue to be endeared to Elaine. She's, oh yeah. She's gritty. She's tough. Yeah. She's smart, and I like this. Like, hey, look, I don't I don't have a lot of friends, so this mm-hmm. matters to me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay. She doesn't here. leave her friends friends in the lurch. Yep. Rand and, and Matt. Rand and Matt. Rand comes clean. I look every. I left everybody behind. They all think I'm dead. <laughs> Matt's like, ah, I've done that before. <clears throat> yeah, it's all good. Um, um, it's also funny because like I I kind of forgot that Matt just like wasn't there towards the end, and so this very much felt like a all right. We need to catch match up to where the viewers are. <laughs> so yeah, Rand's just gonna like info dump on him. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. For sure. There's some of that going on. and uh, But there was a, a cool little moment there where Rand's like, I, th- I thought everyone would be better off without me, safer. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, we aren't better off without you, Rand. I promise that. And Rand's like, same back at you there, buddy. Um, and Rand's like, Ishamiel has a Gwen, and they make a plan uh, to leave in an hour, but he's got to go break a woman's heart first. Matt's got to go break somebody's heart first. I Which I, I love that Matt just constantly talks about how men is into him. <laughs> yeah. But there's never any indication for men that she is, but he Not just takes, all. he just yeah. takes it as fact. Not at all. Ah, she um, likes me. I feel like this actor and the writers of the show have started to like capture the feel of who Matt is. Yeah. Um, entertainingly a lot more than Brandon Sanderson ever did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this, this is the Matt that, that, people know and love yeah and i can i can say like uh reading a little bit of the uh, reading said the second book right and then a little bit of the third book like hey, yeah i do like matt a little bit more uh the more i the more i read the books the more i like him um if i was just watching the show i would probably be like the sh- rest of the show watchers who were like who's he again what, what's that guy what why is he in what why is he important <laughs> they got the dagger who gives a shit yep. um back to men who is just tying one on just drinking herself stupid yep Matt comes in, knocks on the door. He's like, you'll never guess who I met. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I know who you saw. I know it is Strand. And she warns him. Yeah. And it, it like hurt Matt, hurts Matt's feelings. Um, and he gets upset. But he also is able in the conversation to piece out that she's been sort of playing him and working against, in his mind, working against him this whole time. And they have that conversation. And she, she kind of ends it with like, look, I'm, what I'm telling you is the truth. And like, I am your friend because even telling you is very dangerous mm-hmm. um, for me. But I'm I'm trying to look out for you. Don't go with Matt or don't go with Rand. You you will kill him. You you kill him. That's what I see in the pattern. It's fascinating to me 
how trusting everybody is in this show. It, like, this feels like a much darker, grimmer telling of the books. And I guess I get that feel more from the show. But literally everybody is just like, oh, you say you're telling the truth? Yep. You, you've got to be telling the truth. Face value. Uh, I, I believe you. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a little wild to me. Uh, just how many people are, are like Rama. It's just like, I'm going to believe these two random girls that show up in the middle of nowhere that, you know, one of the things that, you know, no one really believes is true, that the Black Aja is, exists. That Like, I, Matt is just like, oh, you, you betrayed me. Well, you tell me you're telling the truth about this thing. Okay. Uh, I guess, like, I do... Because Matt's really not going to want to hurt his friend. Like, it, he's incredibly scared, I think, of what's going to happen if he touches the dagger again. So to be told that he is going to kill Rand with the dagger, I think that's a pretty big driver, even if it maybe isn't true and he doesn't trust Min and he thinks that Min is working against his purposes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see that that's unreasonable for Matt to be like, Sure. Uh, I can't take this risk. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I uh, I don't I don't have the same feeling that everybody in the show is trusting. And like both of those examples you gave, like I'm glad you shared it because it's a different perspective than what I have. But like both those examples you gave, like I I I think that they the girls were giving Rima details that not many people else would know. They dropped Leandra and Sadai's name. Like, they, you know, they clearly had details sure. about the White Tower, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and in this situation, I think that Matt, Matt is probably thinking, what is her impetus to lie at this point? Like, you know, yeah. she's, wh- why would she lie to me to just get me to not go on a trip with Rand? Mm-hmm. Like, what that is her, make any sense. what's yeah. her, what does she get out of that? You know, other than she's telling the truth. So I don't know. I, I, I didn't see it that way, but I, I like that you shared that because I, I'll be watching for it in the show. Um, Moraine has a letter she wants delivered to a Blue Aja um, and the Blue Aja will get it to where it needs to go I'm going to guess that letter never gets delivered I'm <laughs> just going to bet that how much you all want to bet <laughs> and Moraine goes on to apologize to Barthanis says she's been a bad visitor and a bad aunt Moraine says she thinks he'll make a good <coughs> good king <laughs> sorry I, <coughs> God, sorry I got choked up there good king yeah sorry difficult to get that out Barthanis would be a good king and that he would make our house proud. That's what she says. So there we go. End of scene. Anything oh, on that? Three of them. Uh, nope. Mm, okay. Why you give me a funny look? There's Moraine. There's her sister. And then there's the butler. That's like the uh-huh. entire house. That and Barthanis. And the, and the oh, dope I'm sandwich sure there's maker. there's maids yes. that don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. Red shirts do not matter. When Lanfear kills a red shirt, we don't care. I'm glad exactly. that you and I agree on this Exactly. Topic. <laughs> and there's probably somebody that cooks, right? They don't make their own food. Maybe Barthana's well, they make, make sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> they only eat sandwiches. But somebody has to buy the They're living like college students. And no, actually, that was a real... fiance is not out there buying his own butter. That was a real rich family thing. Mm-hmm. Because like a rich family doesn't cook their own meals. But if they're like hungry in the middle of the night, they yeah. will make their own sandwich, yes. right? Yes. So like yeah. the idea that Barthanis would make a sandwich mm-hmm. occasionally, that works for a rich family, I think. Absolutely. And coupled with the fact that he would then be proud of his sandwiches. Right. Because if like, you are a rich person who doesn't cook, 
and you do this one thing that people are like, oh yeah, that's a great sandwich. Yeah, you feel like yeah, and, you feel like yeah. it's like a special thing when yeah, it's your mm-hmm. signature move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Anna walks in and is like, well, the Amberlin's here with fourteen ice to die, and I will tell you all a story. I uh, I watched this episode when I was on vacation in Florida, and I was at a small <laughs> little gym, um, and I was running on a treadmill. And I just about had a very serious fall uh, <laughs> because I was quite concerned for our guy Rand uh, when I heard the Amberlin is here with 14 Aes Sedai. Yikes. I, 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 I like tripped enough. I had to like lower the speed and catch myself. <laughs> I was so concerned for Rand. And then, of course, the episode ends without us figuring out why the Amberlin's there. And yep. then I was just like in knots Out for of your week. mind. Yeah. yeah. But that, you know, I mean, I think that that's it's great it's great writing because um lan has just told the emerlin that they found the dragon reborn and yep. then the emerlin shows up there and where then the, the dragon reborn and is the detail and... of having a bunch of Aes Sedai mm-hmm. with her mm-hmm. is particularly concerning for us dragon sword us dragon or us ran fans we're Lan fans. didn't tell the emerlin that they found the dragon reborn well not that we saw on screen he right. saw a lot or he told alana he told alana and then told the emerlin that he needed to talk it's about moraine Fair, but <laughs> come on. But well, do you think so? Play this out, PJ. <laughs> so Alana has, at threat of death, brought Lan to the Amerlin, and now yeah. is going to let him lie. Well, but he could. But but Lan, Lan could have slightly different told the Amerlin that Moraine got stilled. Right. Yeah, but wouldn't the Amerlin then have wanted to know how that came to be? Presumably. Minor details. That might be why she's visiting. I think Moraine. it's a fairly, I mean, you're, so you're right. That is what the script said. I think it's a fairly fair assumption that the, that Alana, Alana and her, her warders are not going to let Lan, who just dropped this bomb on them. And they felt like that that bomb was important enough to take him directly to the Amarillin at that point. Yeah. Was gonna gonna let him dip set we're just gonna like, out of yeah. dropping that piece yeah. of information for the Amelin. Yeah. And by the way, the Amelin does show up to exactly where Rand is immediately with after that. The number of Isodai that <laughs> yeah, she with, might need with a ton of Isodai immediately with. after that. It seems a fairly reasonable assumption. Right. Well, yes, but also Sarah. To that point, I think it's eight in the show. I mean. But he's actually the dragon reborn. Yeah, so. yeah. No, like y- <laughs> you y- should you like maybe it. you bring a couple extras. Double, yeah. double it roughly. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's. I think it's a. I mean, whatever. You know, maybe maybe not. But like, I I felt like that was a fairly fair assumption that like the Emerlin has shown up there. I mean. I'm I'm falling off a treadmill. I'm so concerned for Rand. The first time I watched it, I mean, <laughs> that was the first thing that crossed my mind when I heard yeah. it. So it was like I, I don't even think this is like me being influenced by later episodes because it's what I assumed when I first watched it. Yeah, no, that, that's um, 100% fair. Yeah. Uh, so cut to the Andrew. Yep, go ahead. I think, I think it's meant to be that you get two from each Aja because we see two red sisters and two mm. brown sisters mm-hmm. and one of the, I don't remember if she's white. Jolene, the one with the bald head. Is she white know. or gray? Anyway, but anyway, I think the, the implication is that there are the Ajas are evenly represented. Represented. Yeah, and when you're stealing the Dragon Reborn, you need six additional Black Aja to make it happen. That's a <laughs> little so you know. little known fact <laughs> yeah. from um, the books. Yeah. Uh, Cut to Leandrin talking to Amberlin and uh, just basically trying to feed, like, figure out why the fuck she's there. 
Yeah. Which, shout out to Leandrin. I was also trying to figure that out, but it, it, Swan gives her nothing. It's basically like, <laughs> you're going to have to, basically gives him a, a, a Robert Jordan. You're going to have to keep reading. Like, yeah, keep reading and find out. Um, cut to Rand, who's at the gate. He realizes Matt isn't coming. Matt's watching him as he's walking away, and Matt's upset. And it's all, it's a whole thing. And uh, yeah, uh, he goes to leave. And that's when Lan says, I'm sorry, Rand, but I can't let you leave. And I, yeah, that that's also probably the idea that Lan had told Swan that Rand was the dragon is also probably reinforced because Lan immediately goes to to Rand yeah. and stops him from leaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's also probably a part of that, that yeah. equation. Um, what else we got here? Uh, Elaine and Rima and Nynaeve. Yep. So Rima makes the mistake of telling Nynaeve, I need you to channel just a little. She cannot do any such thing. That didn't work too well because yep. Nynaeve does not channel just a little. She channels enough that it draws the attention of Domani. And then we have this really epic scene, which was captivating. And I feel like the actress who who, who played this one episode role, I guess one episode, maybe we'll see her again, I don't know, um, of Rima was just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good. And I just felt like I was following her. I could follow exactly what she was thinking during the whole thing, the way mm-hmm. she was acting it out. And mm-hmm. she was like, all right, well, let's just, let's boogie, let's do this. And then when her warder falls and she gets shot, she's like, okay, I got, can you please just cut my head off or something? And then he doesn't do that, which is like, we understand why he doesn't do that. She understands why he doesn't do that. But, but she needed him to do that. Particularly, yeah. yeah, tragic for her. And then, you know, she's at her, like, you know, what is it like the idea that like they, you can't use the one power to hurt somebody else As unless your life is tra- threatened or yeah. something like that? Clearly, her life is threatened, and then she starts these these things I didn't that know they could wild. do, which seemed to be like bone break things, yeah. which were pretty dope. And then they put the collar on her, and it was fucking yep. terrible. And stuff. So, I, in my head at least, the reason that she's doing like what she's doing to kill the Soldam and Damane, or I think just the Soldam actually, yeah. is that, so she's yellow. So she's like- Healer. A, like, uh, she's of the yellow Ajra. So she's a, like a medical mm-hmm. Aesodai. Mm-hmm. And so she's basically using her medical knowledge to kill them. And that's why we have her like breaking bones and- mm, I like that. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Because it sense. did feel like a very like precise manipulation of this old Dom's body. It was not just right. like willy nilly. There was definitely, and you've talked about this before, BJ. Like the sort of horror elements they sprinkle into this show. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you like, it was like it was like, like body a, horror like at a, this point. What yeah. is the, what is this thing with the puppets? Puppet puppeteer. Yeah, it was like that. Like because the legs were like jerking and moving. It was like mm-hmm. uh, watching Paranormal Activity. Like the the body parts were moving. <laughs> yeah. Without any, it was like very very creepy to see but i but at the same time i was rooting for all those demonated fucking get smoked so i don't know how, how many do we think she got seems like she killed about four of them maybe that seems ambitious i don't know that she killed that many i think she it got a three. handful of soldiers it was definitely two yeah it was definitely two at the end and then the yeah, question yeah. is did she get mm-hmm. two at the beginning i don't know it's yeah. good showing though yeah, yeah i would say she took down a lot before she got collared yep so here's my question. If a yellow Aja can do that, like wouldn't a red Aja like fuck up way more shit before they went down? Depends on how powerful they were. So 
well, it depends on the power, but the uh, I would expect green to do better since yeah. they're supposedly the battle Um I, I guess sort of if you view the res, it's kind of like MPs, then maybe them too. Um, so I guess it, it, you know, and given that Leandrin like really said that like we we learn to protect ourselves as reds because we don't have warders, so like you know they might be a little bit more uh, militant, shall we say? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe the green mm-hmm. are the are the ones to worry about. But I mean, if yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a really strong showing for just this random yellow Aja. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and I liked the I, you know I'm always doing the the power level stuff. Like yeah. I feel I feel like it, it gave us a good idea of like. Yes, the the Damani can channel and they can do things as a unit, but individually they're probably not. It's not a one for one with the Aes Sedai, like as far as their power levels. Yeah, um, I think that the other thing that is going to be a show choice that they'll probably eventually expand on, but like it's kind of boring to have Aes Sedai that are weak, especially like where they're putting them, like with the one power. Like why, you know, why are you? why do you want to show somebody that like would just like have like a tiny fireball that doesn't go anywhere. That's like a full sister. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. So I think that the people that we're going to see early on are going to reinforce the mythos of how strong the Ace Sedai are before maybe we'll get some, some other examples, but since we don't have it as much in the lore surrounding it, like we do in the books, they they're gonna have to show a lot of sisters that are just strong. Yeah, because in the books, like don't they don't they say like it's basically like a just two or three really strong Aes Sedai anymore. It's like Swan and Moraine and like that's about it, right? Yeah, I think there's a few yeah, others, I mean, like, but, but Swan they, and Moraine I think are like kind of like the top tier. Mm-hmm. Alana is also fr- fairly strong, but you have a whole lot of people that are like third string, basically. Yeah, I guess specific, like there's so, somebody like actually rattles that off in the second book, and it's like, yeah, it's like they're all weak now, except you know, Swan's pretty strong, and Moraine's up there, and mm-hmm. the, the, the list was short when the person was talking. I remember right. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, sprinkled throughout this scene is Egwene trying to use the, the pick up the water jug, and she finally, after being like held up and choked on this collar, and she like they you know obviously gets put up on the walls so she's hanging by the collar uh she gets down and she's able to do it and then you know rena says good girl and leaves and then we hear the person across the the wall who previous to now had just been reciting the, the rules over and over again says don't cry you lasted longer than i did child and i was a sitter of the blue aja and that person is the same person we saw in the recap who was saying yeah we'll go across the the you know a, a full Aes Sedai was in the White Tower. Sam mm-hmm. will go across yep. and just check out what happened to these ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. End of episode. Um, yep. We also, I think, saw her in the in season one talking with Moraine early in the the White Tower. So like she's been a, a recurring kind of around in the character. character. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Nope. So I thought that. Sorry. <clears throat> um, Rena, like this this scene with. Egwene, when she essentially breaks her, was particularly devastating because Rena once once Egwene pours the cup, Rena just pours it out, and it's yeah. like, you accomplished your goal. I don't need the water. This was all about you getting the water into my cup and not thinking about how you're going to use the jug to kill me. Yep. 
Well, and you know that it's an it was an interesting parallel to the scene with uh, Loghain and Rand with the the wine mm. that that Rand brought, where it is it has nothing to do with the thing; it has to do with power. with the intent and the power and the effort. Yeah. Um, and I don't know this um, this whole thing with Egwene had me sort of fucked up because I am like always when whenever we get one of these scenes in a lot of fantasy, a lot of other different types of of media, we're like. There's the possibility where, like, you could at least pretend to submit to save yourself for a while to be able to, in effect, that effect and here. escape elsewhere. I, I am all for that, right? I'm like, just go along with it for the moment and figure it out later. And that, to your point, it this idea of the intent of this magic that can get into your thoughts and understand what it is that that your unconscious is doing, that really had me... It completely messed up and this is probably the only time i've watched one of those scenes where i, I didn't want i've never i never wanted them to um, to surrender to surrender for their own self-preservation because it's not self-preservation here it's breaking it's done it's done yeah, yeah and you also have to Egwene like might be thinking like you know if i if somebody does come get me at some point how far gone will i be by mm-hmm. the time they get me right. um, yeah and I thought that the way the actress played it was really interesting too, because it almost looked like she was disappointed in herself, even yeah. even though she it allowed her to survive. It looked like she was disappointed in herself that that had been quashed from her, and she was able to touch. Well, the yeah, picture. definitely. That's yeah. why she was wailing at the yeah. end, and that's why the I said I was yeah. like trying to comfort her and saying mm-hmm. like it's not you're being too hard on yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. I mean. It's kind of an interesting thing that she she did hold out longer than a member yeah. of the Blue Aja. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it says something for Egwene's like grit, right, and mm-hmm. uh, determination. Hey, BJ, big Egwene hater. Did you like Egwene this episode? Were you interested in her scenes? Uh, I think there's a difference between liking Egwene and being interested in the scenes. There's that. I, so, <laughs> so this is one of the arcs that Egwene has that I think is really good in both the the show and the book. Um, where her being uh collared and forced to submit well no but like her like how she is like tries to maintain focus and tries to like power through something i think this is one of the few places where it's like yep this is a good place to do it this is a good place to be bullheaded this is a good place to you know try and maintain like your uh, way of thinking, your, uh, you know, focus on getting out and your, like, winning out. Whereas other places, like, Ace of Die want to train you how to use the one power, maybe isn't, like, the, the best place to, to like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, put yeah. her in a. In sports, we call that put you in a position to succeed. Robert Jordan put Egwene in a position to succeed uh, as a character uh, because this is the perfect, perfect situation for her, uh, for her personality and mentality. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I felt like as soon as the, the, the Domani were introduced and the Mm -hmm. Adam were introduced, it was like, that collar's going on one of our heroes. Like we're going to see this at some point. And this was the particular storyline that made me, 
keep watching. In oh, the interesting. Yeah. yeah, for me, it yeah. totally would have been Swan showing up with 14 fucking. Yeah, I mean, I said that. Well, you almost fell off a treadmill. And you are, <laughs> yeah. you are very safety conscious. I, I, will I am say. very safety conscious. I was very, very concerned about the idea. I don't like this idea of Gentling Ran. That is very concerning to me. Yes. You are very invested in Ran's uh, development as the Dragon Reborn. 100%. That's the whole story. Um, yeah. All right. Do we want to go to uh, best scene, best line? Let's do it. Mm, yeah. Cool. Who are we starting with? Um, BJ, give us a call. Uh, so I have, uh, well, I'll, I'll do the thing that I always do. I have a main one and a runner-up. Uh, my runner-up is going to be uh, Many Paths to Walk Through the Night. Damn it, BJ. Mm. <laughs> nice. Um, so that, but my line of the episode has to be good girl. Oof. Hmm. I don't know about that. Mm. I it I don't it it's I'm I'm not saying it it's the uh most like lore driven or anything else, but like it I feel like it just sums up the struggle that Gwen has in this episode, like where she's she is at the end of it and how Demeaning. the how the Soldam Damane relationship is. Um and it's interesting because like and Terry, like as you know, like in the books it's a lot more like uh, having a, a pet, having a dog, or or something like that. You know, a, an animal that you're training that is kind of dangerous, like unless it's well trained. Um, and so, like that aspect also like felt like it came together with with this line. So I actually I think it's pretty darn obvious in the show that that's how it is. Like Rena pets Egwene. Yeah, but you don't Kennels. see other soldamendum money. Do sure, it. you like, don't see other interactions, yeah. but like you also see that that Rena lets her keep her name. She doesn't give her a different name. Yeah. And so like, but like it has to be worse. Because you because you don't see any of those relationships with the other Soldam and you don't have them like giving them treats and like a lot of the other things that you see. Like I I think this helps reinforce that relationship in the scenes that we have in the show. Fair enough. Well, the mentoring relationship, shall we say. Very I'm, mentorship. I'm not gonna shock anybody here. My uh, my favorite scene was Rand and Lanfear, and uh, when she <laughs> when he's like, I can't believe I trusted you, and she's like, You what the fuck? You don't <laughs> trust me? Me? Come on, I'm your best friend. And then that gets referenced a couple times more through the I episode. I have loved you for three thousand years and more. How yeah. dare you not trust me? <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, and I think you know. Remember the the, the line where she goes, "He's young. I have to remember that." Mm-hmm. I bet yeah. that. I bet this moment she was also thinking some version of that, where she's like, yeah. huh, he doesn't remember all of the no. stuff that I remember." So yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't just assume I love him in the way that like he would if he knew all of this other stuff. And I also just like um, Rand getting up out of his sleep. And just being like, fuck off, Moraine, because like <laughs> that just reminds me of the books because it seems like every interaction he has with her so far and where I've read in the book is like Moraine shows up and Rand's like, man, fuck I'm really off. glad Moraine's not here. And then Moraine's like, I'm here. And then he's like, fuck, I hate you. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm not leaving. And like that's basically their whole interaction. So yeah. I enjoyed that. I mean, yeah. That's absolutely it, true. It, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sarah. So mine uh, was, BJ, <clears throat> going to be uh, there, are the, many paths. there are many paths to walk through the night. Um, and it's that is so interesting to me because I think that what where we are going with Lanfear and what she is doing and how she is navigating 
these like many waters to achieve her own goals it with the constraints that she has placed on herself to also get the power to achieve those goals uh, is super interesting. And the idea that she is talking to um, Leandrin about that in those terms as well is super interesting to me. But since you already half chose that because you're a jerk. Because yeah, <laughs> he like So you should be able to pick extras. it if he made it. That is honorable. Yeah. Mention. Wait, so uh, did I taint that line for you? Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, but I do actually, I want to um, at least call out a line that we didn't really talk about in the recap. But I think while we might not see the collar, the collar specifically too much more, I thought that this was such an interesting description um, of, I. it was Nynaeve after she had sort of like accidentally blasted a bunch of power at it. Uh, describing the color, the Adam, it needs to be healed. The only way it can be healed is to be put on a woman. It, it is to be put on a woman. That language is so interesting to me. And it feels like a particular type of like gap. And um, it, it, it feels like a thing that is going to come up again um, mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. Like that is too specific of language about how this magic is working for that to not also infect something else, especially when we heard in the same scene that um, they're, so what are they, Tarangriel? Yeah. They're, they're the same thing that the arches are. Right. Yes. Uh, and that is super interesting to me with um, this description of how this works. Also, uh I just want to point out that they immediately then said it can't be broken. But we have already seen that things that quote unquote can't be broken can absolutely be broken in this world. So I don't know what that means anymore. Uh, Yeah, that it's a tough thing. So uh, a couple of things that that I want to talk about with that one is uh, I think their treatment of Nynaeve and how she is as a wisdom and her dealings with the one power suffer a lot because they're straddling show and book yeah um so in the books like she's super healing focused like that is basically all that she cares about Mm -hmm. other than like protecting the kids from the two rivers i mean that even partially or maybe a lot becomes why like part of her drive to become eyes that eye is she's like I want to be the best healer I can be. Like, I know what my limitations were as a wisdom, and I want to get better. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this language leans more into how Nynaeve was in the books in terms of, like, viewing things from a healer's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just haven't seen a whole lot of that in the show, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. I still, I still think that the idea that there's like something broken in this magical artifact oh, that then needs to be filled yeah. is is interesting. But I do, I do appreciate that call out that like that specific language is actually specific to Nynaeve, um in ways that we yeah. really just haven't been getting in the show. Right. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to go back to the 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 line that that I spoiled for you. Um, I, I I didn't think about this initially, but as as we've been talking and and Lee, you've been pounding the uh, the Lanfear drums. Uh, it's interesting that she refers to it as the night because yes. the night ends, and so maybe like she feels that that her time with the you know the dark 
being a dark friend, things like that, is is something a lot more transient than maybe a Shamael feels. And so, like, this was a way, um, this was something that she did for reasons, but, like, it doesn't define who she is. And I think might be sort of giving some breadcrumbs for a lot of the characters that we see uh, to turn back to the light. You know, a, a man is never uh, steeped so, so so much in the dark yes. to to uh, has strayed so far from the light. Yes, didn't didn't wasn't it last episode where Shamael basically said that he was like, "Look, I'm I'm different than the rest of these clowns. Like, I'm I'm a I'm a real one." Yeah, I, yeah. well, of course, Shamael says that he he is uh, an OG. So yeah, but I mean, Dedicated. I think I think there's a. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're setting up that there's a case that he might be a little bit different than some of the, the mm-hmm. other people we see that follow the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I liked the, the, the Rena started this this monologue in the show, but didn't finish it, where she starts talking about the woman who made the Adams initially. Mm-hmm. And it was an Aes Sedai. And like in the the book is like explained as like... This Aes Sedai made the Adams and then like basically sold out the Aes Sedai to the Sanchin and were like, hey, here you go. I got this thing. And then the the last sentence on that monologue is like haunting. It's like and her her screams haunted the tower when the when the collar was finally put on her. And it's like yeah. the, the person who made it who thought, oh, this would be like a way that I can partner with the Sanchin and like power, you know, have power over the rest of the Aes Sedai. The Sanchin are so fucking G, they just slapped one on her. Like, yeah. they do not <laughs> care. Like, we know how this works. Um, yeah. It's wild. Yep. All right. What's our best scene? Um, so I, my my nominee, um, I really, I really enjoyed the actress playing Rena. I think she did a really robust job for someone that we're really not going to see a whole lot more of. She's her facial expressions are mm-hmm. very emotive and you can tell that she's she's excited to have this very strong charge to train and she thinks mentee. she can do it yes her mentee and she thinks she can do it and she's she's excited to to bring Egwene to the other you know probably to her colleagues and show her off like this is sort of the feel that I get and then she gets really frustrated when Egwene doesn't break and then she gets even quite mean, which we all know people like that that get sort of to the end of their rope and they're like, all right, fine. Well, I'm just going to beat you. Mm-hmm. And it's... I hope we don't know too many people like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe there are people out there that do that. For sure. Um, but I love, you know, also just the demeaning way in which she talks about Egwene as well. And I thought some of this was very well delivered. Um where, you know, like Rena comes in after Egwene is trying to take off the collar and says, oh, Egwene, you're not a woman. You're a demane. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're disrupting the natural order of things. Don't do this, mm-hmm. right? Um, I hope they told you at your White Tower just how special you are. And it's just like she's a prized dog or a horse and she's particularly strong and she's defiant and... Rena's just like, we just have to break you a little bit. And then you'll be a fantastic riding horse. That um that moment when Rena 
says to her, I hope they told you at the tower how special you are, was sort of heartbreaking because like all Egwene wanted at the tower was to be, was told, to be told how that. special she was. Yes. And she right. was not told yeah. that at the tower. And she was, and she not, was not told, told that. that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I don't know. I think I might have to go with the the Lanvier-Rand interaction that you had. Whoa, uh, my streak. I broke the streak this yeah, week. I broke yeah, the streak. Did. In week six, I finally <laughs> got <laughs> selected. Finally got selected. Just pick Lanfear enough weeks and eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> All right. All right. Winners, Winners and, losers. and losers. So who wants to say the loser on three? Three, <laughs> two, one. Brian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's got to be Egwene, I mean, right? There's just yeah. nothing. Yeah. I when mean, half it... of the scene time is taken up with you getting progressively more uh, damaged. Yes. Yeah. Mentally and physically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think winter's a bit harder. I mean, Rena certainly finally breaks her demonic. Yeah. And hasn't been told that she's going to get killed anyway. I'm not analytical enough to be able to choose Rena. <laughs> like, I can't. I just you got can't. a little too much emotion <laughs> tied up in there. Like, I can't, I can't yeah. choose her. Uh, like, absolutely not. Uh, not um, I mean, but like. So who else? So, so the other yeah. side of it is like, Rena. Perrin. Finally, sort of breaks <laughs> Egwene, but like basically, she finally got her dog not to like shit in the house. That that's that, that's not like a great win. That is, she, she's she barely got, housebroken. Yeah, she got her to the baseline she was supposed to be at to begin with. Day one. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Um, I don't but know how much about more that. rewarding is that, right? I don't know that they that they all come in broken on day one. So I, I think that there's probably a process to break all of them. No, I think yeah. that's true, but it's not like a great win to... When they're wild. Right. And, like, yeah. the, the sitter next door was broken way faster. So, like, you know, does that say a lot about Egwene? Or does that say that Brenna just isn't up to snuff as a mentor? Like, who knows? Yeah. Maybe she shouldn't um, have let Egwene keep her name. Maybe not. Pori is a good one, I heard. So, um... I don't know, Rand doesn't feel like he's winning. No. I mean, he got deserted uh, by Matt after reuniting. Uh, he's not winning because Swan showed up with 14 fucking ice and die. <laughs> and he's not true. allowed he to leave. He didn't actually see anything Knock happen, you for a loop. though. I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I hear good. that can trip you up. So doesn't feel um, good at all. I don't know. Uh, Winner? Uh, doesn't sound like there's a whole lot more. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think, could we say, all right, so let's tick through them. So Rand, Rand, we're not going with Rand. Mm-mm. Nynaeve is a no and Elaine is a no. Yeah. Yeah. Matt is a no. Matt's a no. Yep. Perrin. Did we even see Perrin this episode? Nope. Perrin. That's why I said, that's why I said <laughs> Perrin earlier. I guess that might make that's, him well, so, so the best part about it is you're not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> what about Moraine? Could Moraine be a winner yeah. here? Moraine could be I a mean, winner. I she mean, she has a pretty big like uh, dust up with her sister though, and also kind yeah. of loses Rand to Lanfear. Like, I, <sighs> oh yeah, oh, she does I, get a I, nice I, sandwich though. She does get a nice Butter sandwich on both sides. I mean, I like, I understand that that you really appreciate Lanfear as a person, a character, uh, an all around uh, good egg, but good girl. I, I don't think that Moraine agrees with you. Well, Moraine, I mean, well, I mean, she told Rand to go to sleep and talk to her. 
She, I, she, she acknowledged that Lanfear's been around you two be, or three months and yeah, hasn't hurt but, you yet. But last episode, she was just like, yeah, I, I see no other choices. So this dumb thing seems like a thing to do. Let's yeah, do it. I, I think that lost lost ran to Lanfear was just stronger language than I was I was That's ready fair. for because I just mm-hmm. don't think that like she knows that. I mean, setback for sure. She Rand's not immediately around her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, she did have the conversation with her sister the episode before where it was like established like Moraine, do you really need to be protecting Rand? Do you do you are you sure of that? And she kind of yeah. backed off that concept. Mm-hmm. She also big boyed her sister. She also was able to like get out of her feelings and apologize to her nephew. I don't know. I feel like Moraine had a pretty good episode. The fact that I'm having to make the case for Moraine, maybe it is Rinna. Maybe maybe Rinna is the winner. It's certainly got to be. I mean, we are deep in this season where like none of our main characters, none of our guys are winning. So it's got to be somebody on the other side. It ain't Rima. It's no, no, that's for sure. I think she might lose real solidly. I mean, I think close runner. I think Lanfear is like Rand's back. I mean, she she doesn't she have a... She punked Leandrin. Yeah. Like, she, she seemed to have a good time with that. Yeah, it probably yeah. is Lanfear. Yeah, she did get to kill someone, which I think she enjoys. Uh, she she was able to convince Ran that she's at least working for him. Or it, it may start making the case to Ran that she's working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, she's bouncing around in the dream world. Yeah, maybe it's Lanfear. So, I think so. And the other side of it is, not only has she possibly gotten Ran back, but she's out in the open. She doesn't have to hide who she is. Yes. And is bringing Rand back over to and her side. And maybe Rand will love her for who she is. Yeah, I'm sure she I'm sure he will. Hope. I'm sure he will. Uh, yeah, that, that, he's going to like her for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I guess we're going to go with Lanfear. I think we're going to go with Lanfear. Yep. Lanfear, winner of the episode. It doesn't right. feel great, but here we are. <laughs> I love it. I feel very good about it. I mean, it's either that or the uh, Sanchen torture. I don't. I feel less good about that. (laughs) I don't know. All right. Anything else we want to talk about, Sarah, before you and I jump off? I wanted to do a quick follow-up, BJ, on a conversation you and I had about what Moraine's badass white shirt was actually made of. Now we got many more close-ups of it. I was wrong. It is a it is an interesting woven texture. Huh. Uh, it's a diagonal weave, um, which is you know why it's essentially going diagonally. So you use your hands left <laughs> to right when you're channeling. I um, I do not know. I can't tell what kind of material it's made of because it seems a little stiff. So it might be like a like a raw silk. Yeah. Um, hmm. I am also not sure how you secure the ends of it for it to be able to be used in a garment especially when you are attaching it to tool sleeves i am very concerned about how this shirt is being held together however i did actually i was i was reading because it came up on my um google feed i was reading about the shirt and now i i cannot find the information but but i think you're right it was a very stiff it might have been silk but basically um Probably use heavy cuts of, yeah. of that fabric and then yep. woven and then the detail in the back is actually quite beautiful they had a close-up of it oh, cool. um where it's it's small um buttons like like a um loop and a button yeah and a space down her back mm. cool. it's very pretty um but that's so. all i have for you cool so that's my follow-up on that cool all right well it's a lot of fun yeah uh, we're gonna yeah, bail out and then you two can talk some spoiler talk sounds good 
All right. See you next week. Bye, Bye, guys. Welcome to the spoiler portion. You should not listen. Yeah, you can listen. Do whatever you want. I mean, but if, yeah, if you want to be spoiled. Yeah. Like old milk. Um, listen to us. Yeah. Get real sour. All right. So episode six. Um, so I I really wanted to talk a little bit more about like the Adam and I hate it. The Adam. Um, and like, I'm I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get the like trying on the Adam with like random people. Yeah. Uh, and being just, like, oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Well, so that doesn't work. But also just how batshit insane the Shanshan are because they know that if you hook up a Demane to a man that can channel, they both die screaming. Right. Like tortured. Um, and how do you think they figured this out? Because they're crazy people. And, and they tried that. Yeah, they tried that. Um, mostly for And then for, probably for repeated it at least another two times. Oh, yeah. Like a handful a of times. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just felt like that. that was just such an interesting way to show like how they feel about Demane, like how they're valuable property. But like, if you're high enough up, like you kind of don't care because you have so much riches and power and whatever else that you can use them in such a like Russian roulette kind of way. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I think that that there is some limited amount of information that we get on the Adams or Adams. And I, I think we'll get some more as we go through Series. I can't wait, and I hope I can't wait for Terry to read about it because he's probably going to read about it before we ever see it on the show about the male Adam. Yeah, and just so I, I, I do find it kind of funny that we kind of get that parallel scene earlier with uh, Daman being told to drop the seals into the ocean somewhere. Yeah, which they're massive and white, and yeah, it. Mm. But that, that's in a later episode. Oh, is that next episode? Uh-huh. I don't remember. Uh-huh. Anyway, spoilers. Um, like we said, don't listen to this if you don't want to be spoiled. Or I guess, including the show. Didn't warn you about that. It's fine. I mean, the likelihood that you're waiting for us to like, finish <laughs> the episode unlikely. and listening to the spoiler part. Um, anyway. Um, so I think there were some good things that I really liked about this episode that I think they're planting for long-term themes. Yeah. Um, one of the particularly important ones is Rand's distrust of Aes Sedai is a through line for the books. Like, he is yeah. very suspicious. He's starting to be a little suspicious. And he's starting to be a little suspicious. And Lanfear planted that. Yeah. And unfortunately, then Moraine confirmed it because Lanfear was like, well, why do you think you're in Karhain? Why do you think Loghain's here? Maureen yeah. obviously set this up and he wakes up and he's like, did you do this? And she's like, yes, of course I did. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to learn from him. Yeah. But unfortunately, the way that it looks to Rand is she's manipulating me. She's manipulated every step that I've taken since I left her yeah. um, at the eye of the world. Yeah. And that that really sets up for a, a big aspect of Rand's character of I don't trust I said I that are not the girls I grew up with. Yeah. I keep hoping that um, the little girl 
the little blonde girl, Damane, is going to be Olivia, but... No, it's um, Miri? I mean, I know that's her name, and okay. I know that we looked at it, but, like, I just every time I see see it, I just, like, I thought that was an interesting plot line that they did later on, and if they're going to feature somebody, then why not feature her sure. and, like, figure it out later? But Yeah. Because she's also clearly, like, a strong Damane. Right. So... Yeah, maybe maybe we'll see that later. I, I doubt know. it. Um, one of the other things that I was excited to see, and maybe means that we'll actually get this long term, is this is the second, I think, dream sequence. Yeah, where, well, I guess the first was actually in the Tower Angriel, where Matt loses his eye in Nynaeve's um, trip through the arches. Yeah. And in Rand's dream sequence, Matt loses an eye in this episode. Well, he's also dead. Okay, yeah. I mean, minor <laughs> details. He's dead in both. Minor details. Um, I mean, he technically also dies because he gets ha- hanged in the books. But then later on, he also loses his eye. And I, so I really hope that that actually means that that will actually happen as part of the journey that his character takes. You look unhappy about this. I, I have things to say that aren't part of this episode, so... We're not going to talk about them until okay. the season finale because... Yeah. About Heroes of the Horn? Reasons. Uh-huh. Um, but I think Matt's going to lose an eye. I do think so. I, sure. Um, I, we also got Matt playing dice and maybe also winning. Yep. Um, that's a plus. I I think, like, they're doing a good job with Matt. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy with that. So the other thing that felt weird, and I think that they're pushing it in the right direction is Logan talking about male channeling, not as surrendering. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe Nynaeve's actually a man. That's the, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like the, there isn't a whole lot. The, I think this was a relatively strong episode. There are parts that are very similar to the books, mm-hmm. um, but there's a whole lot. I guess the other thing to talk about is a little bit more about the tree singing because um we get it in book one where we have uh i don't remember his name the green man mm-hmm. um but he actually has a name and i just don't no, remember right. it now um but basically he Shomosheta something yeah that sounds or... right shameshta yeah that sounds anyway uh a little bit more about tree singing and that being like one of the last vestiges of what the isle used to do with the Ogier, um, and the Second Age. So, like, who knows what they're actually going to do with it. Um, And I also, like, there was a fun interplay of, like, finding out about it in sort of concert with, like, the Tinkers, like, asking about, like, do you know the song? And then they made more of a deal of it. So, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And that was actually, like, kind of one of the cool things that Jordan confirmed that, like, Yes, that's the song that they're looking for, but they don't recognize it when they see it because they think it's something else because of how much time it's been. Um, and so that was kind of cool. I, But also, like, incredibly sad, right? Like, these people are endlessly searching for a yeah. song that they will never find because they can no longer recognize it. Yes, I, I agree. But, like, I guess I think it's cool that, like, it's something that he consciously put yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a, a very thing in the world. cool thing. Um, um, and it has a lot of... Yeah. to it um i i don't know how i feel about this because like 
uh, Loyal is a lot more violent in the show than he is in the books. And so, and the reason that I'm talking about it is like, there is a point later in the books that he sings himself a handle to make an ax and it's long handle on it. It's a thing in the book. Like it's a major turning point for Loyal accepting that like, he's really playing a role in events and he cannot be a pacifist. And I mean, we have almost no reference to his book that he's writing in the show. Yeah. I mean, like maybe I, I don't that see why come. that matters. Anyway, so. Apparently it doesn't. But like that was, you know, like Loyal was sort of uh, an observer. Yeah, he was a, his, a journalist. So it was it, it was also interesting because it gave like it gave a connection between him and Varen because they were both sort of historians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but Loyal was viewing that like real events were happening. And that's one of the reasons that he was tagging along with the the, you know, with Rand. And then, you know, later with Perrin because reasons, but with Rand well, because... Well, both have Ren. Right, And but things like, happen around them. He wanted to document, like, what was happening with the Dragon right. Reborn and the fight against the Dark and the last battle. And, and he could be there as a historian. And now he's just there a dude for reasons. that is I mean, mostly I... hanging out with Perrin. And, and that's fine, yeah. like, that he eventually ends up there and, you know, helps defend... The two rivers, which I assume they're still going to do because it's a major fight scene. But like him taking a more active role in protecting his friends was a big deal. And him using tree singing to do it was a big deal. I think he did it in The Blight, though, actually, because he did it somewhere interesting because he's like, the tree wanted me to use like to make a weapon out of it. Anyway. Oh, yeah, because he was very disturbed We're by it. Real in the weeds about this. But it's interesting that they're bringing they're, that they actually have that being a thing and the tree singing, the tree singing, and it makes it feel like they're going to use this later on. They um, have to. Like, I mean, maybe they don't, but like, why in their limited amount of time, why introduce tree singing when, I mean, you could probably cut it out. Yeah. Or they have a different. Like maybe it'll play a larger mind role. later on, like fixing the blight or something, right. uh, which feels like a use for it, and and that's how like it was essentially used in the eye of the world because it was essentially in the middle of the blight, and this eye was being maintained by the green man, and so he would he would tree sing to like maintain it and right. stave off the blight. So who knows what they're gonna do with it? Um, but yeah. Um, and then also I feel like there was a, possibly the seeds of Lanfear confronting Moraine later on. Yep. If I see you together again, that doesn't happen. Spoiler. Uh, because the next time they hang out in the ways. But, uh, and Moraine falls through a different doorway, sort of. So I, I don't know <laughs> right. if they're, they're sort of like having that being subtle, subtle. But basically at some, there, uh, Moraine takes Lanfear out of uh the picture yep um and by going through a doorway right um and so this kind of feels like that whole scene in like book five or six i think six actually. yeah i think it's um, it's fairly like late as it were kind of being referenced early on um so unclear what they're gonna do with it but yeah but they are at least setting up that animosity between lanfear and moraine so like 
when hopefully that scene occurs, it's not a little bit out of left field. Yeah. I mean, there was no real animosity towards them, like towards Moraine in the books. It was a completely... Oh, no. Landry didn't like Moraine. Like, that was also a thing in the books. Yeah, but like not with a whole lot of animosity. She just thought that like all Aes Sedai were dumb. Dumb. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And... Um, I thought one thing that I think I'm not actually sure how I feel about it is the reception that Nynaeve is getting from the yellows, or at least from Rima, as our emblem of a yellow this episode, because Rima recognizes that Nynaeve is a wisdom, and Rima herself is using herbs as a calming influence in the tea, and most yellows look at Nynaeve's you know, reliance, on, reliance herbs. on herbs as a childish thing, essentially, and is very like, come on, like, what, there, what there's are you doing? real stuff to be done. So yeah, I feel like they're combining a lot of things uh, together here. And again, I think this is one of the, the big straddles because in the books, it's uh, Nynaeve, there are times when Nynaeve looks for yellow, uh, like agent signs. And right. so I feel like they're combining that uh, the fork root and with the tea, yeah, like yeah. a whole bunch of things together. Yeah, I don't and know that we're gonna get fork root. I, I wish we is should probably just fine. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if they cut out the entire storyline with Faley and the her capture by the Shido Aiel, and because the way in which they they rescue her and the other women is they dump fork root tea in and they essentially like block all of the channelers and the shadow right. wise women. But I think... So if you just cut that entire storyline out, you don't need to know about Fork Root. So Goodbye. I think Fork Root is important because it makes uh, the... Channelers wa- vulnerable. Vulnerable to, sure. to like the rank and file. And so like it puts a different spin on the white cloaks not that they seem to have any problems with it but i feel like that should be something that the white cloaks have in their arsenal um oh but they already know all you have to do is chop off their hands and you're fine sure (laughs) but that's a dumb thing i i feel like that should that that will probably come out that that was a torture and they were using fork root because like that makes a lot more sense maybe i i don't know i i don't think that they are giving enough hints in that direction like there wasn't like a drunk thing of tea there wasn't something by the like there wasn't like a funnel or something that was like she had tea put down her yeah but like that could have been anyway Earlier. but like Whatever. there's no indications sure. so i think if if they do a flashback to that like that's going to come out of left field for the audience and be like i'm wait what oh i, I don't think that they're going to do a flashback to that but i think that there'll be further confrontations between okay that's the white fair. cloaks and the Isidai, and this will be something that they use yeah uh but who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more. I do think that this was a very strong episode. It generally flowed pretty well, and it was captivating. Yeah, it, I, I think that, you know, Renan Wayne's arc is very interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I'll be excited to see, like, where, where they go with things. And very, very strong. I mean, I just, I really, really enjoyed, I mean, I did not want, like watching the torture, but I really enjoyed the way that the actress who plays Rena was just so very good at essentially being like a, a trainer that's just like 
well, you're just hurting yourself. Like, j- stop hurting yourself. Yep. I, I would love Come to on. help let's, you. And let's get it so you you're functional. It's just you know, so demonic. damaging. Yeah. So. I think that's what we've got. Until next time. Thank you.